Welcome back. I don't know when you're listening to this, but if you're me, this is Fool's Gold Variety Hour Late Night Edition. Nice. That's right. It's the slow, wonderful nightlife edition of Fool's hey, Gold everybody Variety. Everybody out there in podcast land, it's Zach and Tom here to talk at you just for a little bit. Yeah. Maybe this one will lull you to sleep, but not if you're driving. If you're driving, this will just be the nice little zen to have on in the background. Maybe you're going for a run. Who knows why people who run would listen to me talk. I can't imagine that we are very uh, hype-building workout-slash-run background, but... Zach, if you you had to pick one summer and one Olympic sport to automatically be like gold medalist or okay medalist good at what would you pick so a summer olympic sport and a winter olympic sport yeah summer olympics probably fencing and then winter olympics uh i like the luge and i like uh speed skating very good one of those two for winter i don't know if i could pick here's my next question for you zach because this episode 10, obviously, it's the get to know the hosts episode. I'm just going to be interviewing Zach in late night format. Zach, if you could be the best at any one thing in the world, however, the caveat to this is you do not get any better at it than you are right now. It's everyone who's better than you just gets worse so if you choose basketball you are as good at basketball as you are right now but lebron james is now suddenly just a little bit worse than you yeah my current basketball skill level is now the the ceiling for all basketball skill level correct so what is the one thing you would pick i have never thought about something like this um uh what am i what am i already currently good at Tom, I don't like this. I don't like thinking about the things I'm good and bad at. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, ah, geez. Um, Tom, list some of my talents, if you would, please. Audio mixing. That's totally untrue. Um, acting. That is directing. Acting. Not necessarily directing. I haven't really seen a lot of my projects in the light of day. He gets acting, uh, acting theater, um, uh, singing, singing. Yeah, but I like that there are people who are better at me than singing. I like that I'm not the best at that. I wouldn't want voices I enjoy to go away. You're good at, um, you're you're good at being funny. I'm again the similar thing. I don't want funnier people than me to go away though. I I want to be the best at like raking leaves. Just like a completely like mundane sort of thing. Something that isn't going to ruin anyone's anyone else's life, but it's just like yeah, my my yard come November cleanest yard looking good. Looking 
uh, perfectly, at least in comparison to everybody else. Right, because not everyone else can get all them leaves. Yeah. I respect that. Yeah. I I want to be the best at uh, eating Ben and Jerry's ice cream, because I'm pretty stinging good at that. Yeah. Yeah, right on. Love it. Love it. Well, it is our 10th episode. Um, double digits, Zach. They said we wouldn't make it. Yeah, they all doubted that we'd make it to double digits. But let me say this. I come to you today sitting in a room that is a mess, which is not a reflection of my life, which is finally coming together in really nice ways. Um, Humble brag. Yeah. But this room is a mess. I had a comic shelf completely cave in on itself and rent asunder. So I uh, have a broken shelf next to me and all the comics that were on it scattered throughout the floor. I've got the remains of a cardboard box in which the chair I'm currently sitting in once resided. All this to say, I'm surrounded by mess. And that's why, Zach, the fans must have sensed it because they wanted us to watch. You guessed it. It Takes Two. Is that the name of the movie I'm thinking of? I don't know. The movie with Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen? Yeah, I believe that is It Takes Two, yes. It's it's um, it's a Parent Trap ripoff. Yes, 110%. But one of them goes to work at like a messy scrapyard situation in it. It's been a long, long time since I, I did actually see this. Um, and it's not, it is a, um, it is, it is not a parent trap ripoff of the Lindsay Lohan one. Cause the Lindsay Lohan one came after this. It is, could maybe be accused of being a, a ripoff of the Haley Mills parent trap from the sixties. I will say this. My friend and Zach's friend, he is a huge fan of the Lindsay Lohan Parent Trap movie. Like, he really likes it. Um, I like and, it. I, don't, then, I probably don't like it as much as he does, but I think it's, it's pretty good. He likes it to a level that I was genuinely surprised someone liked that specific movie, is what I would say. Hmm. Like, if somebody was like, yeah, I like that movie, I'd be like, okay. But, like, to get, like amped to watch it and like it be a tradition of like i guess he responds to it the way i respond to muppet christmas carol except i only watch that around christmas point being point being he watches this movie right uh and then i'm like i was raised on it takes two and he was like what's that and i'm like oh it's basically this movie but with the olsen twins and then i made him sit through it takes two and i could not believe how little that movie holds up it's not good and i mean it was it was made in the height of the mary kate and ashley are because it was made in 19 it came out in 1995 it mm-hmm. um it is not i don't believe it is oh wait i do believe that they are twins at the end are they revealed to be twins at the end i'm pretty sure they yes, are they are um which with a parent trap they're revealed to be twins near the beginning but um it was made like in the in that window in the 90s where Mary Kate and Ashley could still weren't 
infants, but also could appeal to younger children as well. So like probably between mm-hmm. around the 10 or 11 year, like 10 or 11 years old. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm going to read through the, the other two main leads of this movie, uh, for you, them being Kirstie Alley, who from cheers and is like a, a weird from least what I could see, like a weird, like Trump supporter and Scientologist now. And, and Steve Gutenberg, who, uh, I don't know. Last time I saw Steve Gutenberg in anything was the episode of like one of the last episodes of Community when he's like the film producer who wants to buy um, the movie that Abed made with like the leftover Chang footage. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the last time I've ever seen Steve Gutenberg in anything. So it is very much a seems to me a very much uh a cheap 90s what can we do with mary kate nashley and two other relatively bankable stars you get it takes two right right i will say it's yeah. been at least 10 years since i've seen this movie it it does not hold up i so i promise you if you do what i did with brendan and watch parent trap and then it takes two back to back you will be like this movie is terrible um because neither of those movies had to have a huge budget and the fact that it's like so obvious that the people who made it takes two did not care about that film so it is what it is now other big movie news zach it's a me mario mushroom kingdom here we come that's right folks i said that with the exact same accent no you didn't he puts chris pratt puts a little bit more of a something on the here he goes like he the r is very soft on chris pratt's version of here right mario movie everybody we're getting another one it's a cartoon with chris pratt as mario it does not sound like charles martinet the man who probably should be voicing mario in this movie i don't have a problem with most of the voice cast that they announced and truthfully i'm not the kind of person to to needlessly hate on chris pratt i do think chris pratt as a voice actor is usually fairly uninteresting Mm -hmm. um and i don't think he's a great fit for mario jack black on the other hand as uh bowser some good good stuff good stuff i'm excited for charlie day as luigi i and i i agree with you on that and that's coming from somebody who actually usually dislikes charlie day you dislike charlie day i don't like his voice it's not his fault i guess it's not chris pratt's fault either but at least charlie day's voice fits luigi right um yeah i mean everybody else in that cast sounds like it's gonna be great i mean seth rogan as donkey kong is interesting but uh that trailer the thing is the trailer was actually pretty cool and pretty fun until mario appeared and was like it's a me mario he doesn't say that but i'm a i'm a mario the only i was i was on twitter and i was i don't remember who i was replying to but i was saying that the only way it works that Chris Pratt is Mario with that voice is if it's a Jumanji situation and real life Chris Pratt is thrown into a Mario game and just is talking 
I, I guess I don't like that though. You know, I don't, it's not my favorite, but it's, it would be better than just like, this is what Mario sounds like. Yeah. Zach, did you play a lot of Mario games growing up? I played Mario Kart on the Wii. Sure. Um, that's about it. I, I really could not get into normal Mario stuff, um, until, uh, the Nintendo switch came out and Mario Odyssey was a thing. I really love Mario Odyssey. The rest of them I have a lot of respect for, but they're just not games that I've been able to really get into. Sure. Do we know if Wario or Waluigi are going to be in this movie? Gosh, I hope so. Who would you cast as Wario or Waluigi or both? Okay, so who is the exact opposite of Chris Pratt? Oh, that's a really good starting point. Who did I? There was somebody who was... There's a fan cast that I really liked. Um, I mean, I've seen Danny DeVito's name ah. tossed around for it, and I think that works. I was yeah. wondering if that is what we were set on or if we wanted to look for something else. I mean, I'm not set on it. I think it works. And then I've seen um, Adam Driver or Willem Dafoe as Waluigi. I like Willem Dafoe a little bit more for that. Yeah. Adam Driver can play villainous but he, i don't know if you can play as like arch or like as like campy as waluigi needs to be right willem dafoe definitely can oh yeah oh yeah for 100 percent. now obviously margot robbie can be rosalina okay listen you, you are allowed that i guess listen zach i've got i'd maybe want someone with a little bit more of like a a voice maybe to be rosalina or daisy or even princess peach anya taylor joy is not bad i think that's a decent choice for peach so here's the thing they're making a mario movie the sonic movies obviously are live action and are wildly successful this mario movie is going to be quite successful i'm almost sure of it but it'll almost definitely get a sequel which means if we're being perfectly honest it is only a matter of time before there is a Zelda movie. I don't like that. I don't like it either. Some things say what they are. I know. But here's what I don't like even more. Somebody fan-casted a Zelda movie, and it got hundreds of thousands of likes on Twitter. I saw this. And it is terrible. It is very bad. Uh, I, let, me, let me see if we're talking about the same thing. It's... Uh, Tom Holland as Link. Yeah, terrible casting. Uh, M- Emma Watson as Zelda. Even uh, worse casting. Plus, to be clear, Emma Watson, I know she's not retired, but there's no universe where she agrees to be Zelda. Yeah, also Zelda, I believe, is supposed to be a younger person than Emma Watson currently is. Um, and then uh, it was Idris Elba as Ganondorf, correct? That's correct, which isn't bad necessarily i saw i saw a different cast for ganondorf that i think is much better sure uh and that is keith david oh i do like that i do like that yeah he is also a voice actor right so yeah i mean the thing is i would watch a zelda movie before i watch a mario movie i mean just because the Zelda games like tell rich stories, I feel like. Yeah. 
Whereas Mario is just like, it's not like storytelling. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Mario is a, a platforming game. So it is, it is multiple, essentially like obstacle courses. Right. And when you beat said obstacle courses, you win the game. Right. And then Zelda is an RPG or a, a sort of survival open world game, depending upon what, which game you're playing, where it's, it, it takes, you have to solve problems and fight enemies and, um, you know, and do, do more stuff that I think lends itself a little bit more to a narrative than than right. uh mario does i'm not saying that all zelda games don't kind of have the same premise or the same thing as mario's like mario and zelda that have a very similar premise which is they have the princess right um and most mario games and most zelda games are that so right yeah i don't know you need like an al fanning as zelda Elle Fanning's also maybe a little too old, but um, she's definitely along the right lines. For Zelda. Uh, I don't want to think about fan casting Zelda, though. Sure, sure, sure. I will this? say, I, yeah, after, right after I say that uh, Thomas Brody Sangster uh, would actually be a pretty decent link. Okay, but he's like 12 years older than Tom Holland. Yeah, but he looks younger than Tom Holland. And he would be a good link. Let me see. I want to be clear about this because he is younger than, I mean, he's older than he looks. Thomas oh, yeah. Spencer, uh, as seen in, okay, he's probably about seven or eight years older than Tom Holland. Uh, he does, in fact, still look like. Uh, like Link. He looks a little bit like Link. He does have an, a sort of elvish sort of face to him. Excuse me. He did not look that boyish in queen's gambit though sure uh sure. but that doesn't mean he still doesn't kind of look like a, a child right right all this to say folks chris pratt mario mushroom kingdom here we come here we come yeah it's uh we'll have to see hey and also Tom mario has no booty Tom, do you do you feel it? I feel it in my fingers. Let me look at my finger here. I feel it in my toe. Ooh, ooh. Are you singing this song from Love Actually? It's all around us. And the feeling grows. Tom, the feeling that's growing on me right now is that the hierarchy of power in the DC universe is about to change. Oh, snap. The following conversation may include spoilers for Black Adam, a film as of the recording and likely release of this specific episode has not come out yet. Indeed. Uh, Tom, I do want to ask you straight off, are you concerned with spoilers for Black Adam? Not even a little bit. Okay. I went from, here's, let me tell you my Black Adam journey. I went from not caring to really not caring to being cautiously optimistic to very much not caring. Okay, so it really seems, and The Rock, Mr. Johnson. Who is going like, to rock, paper, scissors fight with Mr. Beast. 
The Rock has basically said multiple times, yes, the post-credits scene of this movie does include the return of Henry Cavill as Superman. Honestly, Henry Cavill as Superman, I don't think Man of Steel is a great movie. I think it's, in fact, an okay movie at best. Yeah, I think the score does extremely heavy lifting on that movie. Mm -hmm. I don't enjoy... uh, I don't enjoy... Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. I don't either. I also just don't enjoy sad, gloomy Superman, nor do I enjoy so destructive a Superman. I don't enjoy... I I enjoyed Joss Whedon's cut of Justice League less than Snyder's, but I think Snyder still has some big problems to it. Uh, I want... Here are the things I want in this world, Tom. Mm Mm-hmm. Is a three simple requests. Health and financial security for my family. That's number one. Sure. Two, let Michael Keaton be funny again. Yeah. And three, make Superman a good person again. Yeah, it's really not that hard. And um, uh, I truly believe Henry Cavill has the ability, at least the acting chops, maybe enough, not creative control over the character, but the ability to play a bright, Kansas farm boy, uh, uh, Superman. I'm sorry, my the tab I had open right now just started playing music on me, and I wasn't sure what was going on. Yeah, I believe a good Superman can exist. I mean, uh, Tyler Hicklin, Hicklin. Uh, although I haven't watched much of the CW show, uh, seems to be doing it closer along the right lines. So yeah, yeah, I haven't seen much of it either. But this eclipse I've seen, he seems to be crushing it i also it's important to me that the underpants are still on the outside of his super suit that's not a priority for me but i do appreciate them finding a way to include them when they can yes yes um speaking of the music playing um i don't know if you were going to cut that but minor segue because i fully agree that we should we deserve just happy superman yeah um who is just a beacon of hope because he's the personification of hope. Not like, I don't know, not the weird, like space Jesus stuff that Zack Snyder was doing. Yeah. Um, I can understand a Christ. I can understand like specific allusions to biblical figures if you wanted to, but that cannot be the thing, you know? Right. And again, just the sheer amount of destruction in Batman versus Superman and in Man of Steel, like the city getting let. And like, I know they make a big deal of it, but it's like, I don't think people understand how, like, it just was, it was, I don't know. Graham Morrison understands Superman better than pretty much anybody else in the galaxy. For those of you who don't know, Graham Morrison is a comic writer. Now, Grant Morrison has said many times that the best Superman stories anyone can tell are the stories where Superman does not throw a punch. Usually, yeah, I would say. I mean, I think there are situations in which Superman's great power is necessary, but... Yeah, I mean, let's have a little comics. Let's have a little comics corner. For those of you who want to read Superman comics, or those of you who are like, oh, Superman comics would never interest me. He's too overpowered and blah, 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 blah. Uh, Read Grant Morrison's All-Star Superman because it is beautiful and will make you cry. 
mm-hmm. if you have a heart. Then read Grant Morrison's Action Comics Superman Volumes One through Three. That's the new. That's the new Fifty Two run. That's Grant Morrison's new Fifty Two run. Yeah, that's uh, the the sort of uh, he's in a t shirt. Yeah, right? it's yeah. So like origin origin early yeah. early Superman. Yep. So All Star Superman is the final Superman story ever told. His action comic Superman is the first Superman story ever told. And then the one that Grant Morrison is doing right now, Superman and the Authority or something, is like the middle. Gotcha. Uh, But it's important that people read All-Star Superman and Action Comics Superman. And then after that, I would recommend uh, Superman Unchained by Scott Snyder. And if you want more, you can DM me, and I'm happy to tell you more. And for Batman... Obviously, gotta read some Frank Miller. Gotta, read. of course. I was just trying to pull a Batman author, authors that I knew um, would make Tom mad. You gotta read right. Jeff. You gotta read Jeff Loeb, but only Hush. Don't read any of the other Batman he writes. You've obviously got to read Batman Earth One by Jeff Johns. Tom doesn't like those people. I don't like any of those writers. I mean, I will say Batman Year One is important jeff and jeff Loeb. he did long halloween though long halloween's good long halloween is good i don't know if i would say long halloween is as good as people make it sound um but it is certainly really good and really important in like the history of if if somebody's like i'm trying to get into batman and i want to start reading comics it's a different list of recommendations than somebody who's just like, I already am sold on superheroes and mm-hmm. comics and like, just tell me like the best Batman stories to read. Then you don't recommend things like year one or the long Halloween, but somebody who's like, I want to understand the appeal yeah. of the concept of reading comics. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a different, it's a different thing than, um, yeah. You want something that will, uh, that is a good like thing that shows the potential of the medium while also like a, a, a good depiction of the character. Right. Um, right. Cause like yeah. it's the difference between somebody. So those two people, if they were asked for an origin, this is a super nerdy episode and I love it. If somebody asked for the origin story, one of those types of people I would recommend year one, the other type of person I would recommend zero year. True. Because zero year is much more, just bananas goofy comics like it's just it's like pure comic whereas year one is much more like graphic novel anyways point being superman doesn't throw punches in grant morrison's stories and they're beautiful um Uh, now zach i i did i did hear uh also that uh the john williams superman theme may also appear in said post-credit scene uh, with Henry Cavill, which I would won't love if the Superman that they're pitching me is the same dour, moody Superman. Right. It won't. It won't work. It won't make sense. Like you just have like, oh Lois, I'm the weight of the world is on my shoulder. No, 
I, I did hear that. I don't, I, again, I, the movie comes out next week. I'll have to, we'll have to, I will, we may go somewhat in depth on it, uh, within the next couple weeks. We'll have to see. Yeah. Cause I will see I mean, it. I will see I, it because the words Pierce Brosnan, Dr. Fate do enough for me to buy a ticket. Yeah. Uh, that's the thing. It do enough for me to buy a ticket and, and the word Hawkman. Yeah. And the sentence Hawkman is in this movie will put me in a seat in a theater. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's that's how how is the hierarchy of power in D- in the DC universe about to change if Superman is confirmed to once again exist? Uh, because Black Adam is stronger than him. Well, you is- know, well, that's the question, because. Uh, I don't think that Dwayne the Rock Johnson thinks Black Adam is stronger than Superman. Right. I think I think the thing is, it's like Superman in the current universe is known as the most powerful being in the planet. And then suddenly Black Adam appears and it's like, oh, maybe Superman's not. Maybe there's a challenger to the throne. What's weird is that Dwayne the Rock Johnson was like, listen, Black Adam needs to go toe to toe with Superman and wasn't like, hey. Shazam <laughs> might be the move here. I I think it's kind of funny, and I don't know how true this is. This is probably just c- completely conjecture by my 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 part. How very little interested Dwayne Johnson is with tying Black Adam into the Zach Levi Shazam movies. I know he's like those are kids movies, and I'm here to make a serious Black yeah. Adam movie. I think I think Jaiman Hansu, who plays the Wizard Shazam in the Shazam movies, is expected to be in the Black Adam movie too. So there is crossover, but I don't yes. think The Rock is really interested in a Shazam v Black Adam. Right, because he's like, how would I be the broody? serious black adam in comparison to a 12 year old boy inside of a man's body this, i am i'm the one who changes the hierarchy of power i know and it's like my guy if you were going toe to toe with comic book superman you would have as frustrating a time as you would against Zach Greeley's Shazam in in different ways but other other things that are happening, Tom, that I think you might be interested in. Uh, Akiva Schaffer of The Lonely Island is rebooting The Naked Gun with Liam Neeson. Really? Yeah. It's just, I didn't know if you had seen that headline. It just dropped today. With Liam Neeson instead of Leslie Nielsen? Yeah. With Liam Neeson, presumably as Frank Drebin or as a Frank Drebin type. Funny. That's interesting. Uh, allegedly, uh, Neeson will be playing Frank Drebin Jr., oh. the son of Leslie Nielsen's character. I don't know if Liam Neeson has the type of acting chops required for this sort of role, but I will watch it, I suppose. Well, the, the thing about I've only seen the first Naked Gun movie, but it is very funny still. There are so some you saw the one you saw the one that OJ is in. Yes, the one that OJ is in. Bring him back for the next one. Wouldn't it be if funny? They did. That would actually be pretty funny, is the thing um that would make me laugh out loud yeah i'd seen the first naked gun it's funny there are definitely parts of it that have not aged well but i did i did not see the tv show that ran before 
uh, Naked Gun. That Naked Gun is technically like the continuation of. Sure. Um, but I think Leslie Nielsen plays most of that movie straight. Um, right. Because Leslie Nielsen, before he got into comedy, was a dramatic actor. Right. And so I think for a lot of, especially Airplane, he is playing everything completely straight. And I think that goes into Police Squad a little bit as well. It goes into sure. Naked Gun, excuse me. Um, and I think Liam Neeson could also do that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, are you ready for your Tom Bomb? We still got a few. We still got some time to go. We're running short, my guy. I hear we don't always have to end with a Tom Bomb. It is a, an hour show. We don't have to always end okay. with a Tom Bomb. Okay, 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 okay. Do your bomb. All right. Well, I've got two of them is the thing. First of all, this one, this one, this one's a little. Oh, I have a Zach's bomb too. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. All right. So first off, I just want a gritty, like brutal, dark movie that actually shows how bloodthirsty and like horrifying pirates actually were. So like not like swashbuckler like no, i don't know not, like yeah not a jack sparrow sort of right. thing but like give me i don't tom hardy is who comes to mind but give me like a tom hardy blackbeard like this is a legitimately terrifying person movie like you want like a, a pirate thriller or pirate horror movie right because we we have pirate adventure in the pirate adventure slash pirate fantasy in the pirates movies we have pirate comedy in our flag means death you want something like tense and like the stakes are real and stuff like that right right where it's like very it's not comedic or lighthearted. i mean there can be moments or elements of like mild humor but like yeah like a very i have no real plot details but like yeah, set in the time when Blackbeard, the historical figure, was around. And, like, mm -hmm. yeah, is a legitimately, like, sketchy movie. Mm. I, so, I, I, I don't like the idea of that for, you know, just, like, we need a, we need a movie that depicts pirates as they are thing. Where that's not my reason for it. Yeah. I think with the, with the right story, you could have something there, though. Yeah. Yeah, now my second one, my second one is a little bizarre and weird and maybe not great. Um, but here we go. Okay. So homeless animals, like strays, are, as you know, often treated far better than homeless people. Correct. Um, so this story is... I'm not going to say high concept, but it's it's trying to call out that problem that we have in our own society. So it follows the story of a homeless person. And this homeless person is abducted by aliens. Okay? Now, they're abducted by aliens, and on the alien planet, they're treated as we would treat a pet. 
so they're like cleaned and given food and their vaccines and all of these things and they meet and go on play dates i'm saying in air quotes with other oh. abducted homeless people gotcha um and all the homeless people are like this is crazy but like also we're being fed which we weren't when we were on earth as homeless people we're being clothed in like new sweaters and pet you know what i mean like we have a better quality of life as pets slash slaves um slaves like they're not being required to do labor but like yeah they are so it's like but we're, are, we have a better against their will though right um and they have like all the things you'd expect like there's i mean there's dog shows but like with homeless people there's grooming where they like go and like get their hair done and like it's like they are so much excess money in this alien culture is being spent on the quality of life of them that was not being spent on earth uh and then the homeless man eventually escapes from his alien's captor and eventually meets up with a group of escaped sort of stray humans if you will and even as stray humans on an alien planet they are treated far better than they were as homeless people and then eventually there's this big like like the crux of it is do we actually want to escape and make it back to earth where we will just go back to being homeless or would we rather stay captive and then you can play on a lot of themes of a stockholm syndrome if you want to but b is because you don't want to like make it beautiful of like but earth or like being human around other humans on earth even if it's really shitty to be homeless is like better than you know what i mean but like there's a lot of i just feel like it's an interesting concept that the right writer or director could make into a really good picture it's interesting concept i i think it's a very fine line before it becomes like either like preachy or condescending or also just like or also just like um wow this is like the this is like the wow animals animals and humans makes you think man like it's a like a, a middle schooler doing weed and just like man do you ever think about how right gray animals are like good i i i think it's a a a rough one to actually translate Uh, and also just bring into a feature length sort of thing sure i think as a a shorter sort of thing it might work or like a twilight zone episode i think a twilight zone episode along these lines could be actually something sure but as a movie i don't know would you like to know Uh, my mom i would love to we talked about the Mario movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, if you'll allow me, I think there is a way to make a Mario movie that we would all love. Okay. And it is not a cartoon. I think what Mario is missing is, frankly, large-scale dance numbers. Oh. Mu- music, slow-motion action effects. And a mostly Indian cast. And Tom, that is why I'm pitching to you Mar Ario. 
I love this. This was a really, that was a really good setup. I want to applaud the bit that you just pulled off. Yeah, I, I had found a meme with, it was the Mar- Mario, the I mean, the RRR poster, but they had been photoshopped into Mario characters. And uh, I had a friend who said that, a friend who listens to this podcast, he said that I should set it up as a little bomb. That was that was incredible, but also, I mean, a musical number. I listen. I would be shocked if Jack Black does not sing a song as Bowser. I am super sure he will. Yeah, but wow, Mar Ario, that was really funny. Well done, well done. Thank you. Two thumbs up. It's not not really my not really my doing, but I think I got there. Tom, you've been watching you've been watching Andor? I have. It's a good show. I, right? I have not seen as of this taping the most recent episode, but most recent episode's the best one. Oh, okay. Is it, opinion, the, is it the finale or second to last one? No, we got a whole bunch more. This is a 12 oh. episode season. Oh my. Okay. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Right on. Yep. Um, yeah, I'm loving I'm I'm actually really, really liking it. It might it might be in my opinion the best live action star wars show i think i think it's i'll have to wait to see how the season ends yeah uh i do like it a lot though i like that it's not um it's not concerned with um showing you things that you know Mm -hmm. i like how most of the cast are british character actors right uh, with a couple American character actors in there as well. I like how it's all pretty by, low stakes. Yeah, it's it's not. We know we know how this specific era of Star Wars will end, mm-hmm. and we know how our main character will end. Doesn't mean we can't get connected with him, mm-hmm. uh, which we've talked about before. Uh, but so we have like this world that we can just play around with. I like. I like how they're I think the volume, which is the big LED wall that they've used for a lot of other um, Star Wars shows and a couple of Marvel things at this point. Um, I think they've kind of found the limit of what they could do with it. And thus, a lot of Andor has was shot on location in the UK and it looks great, it has a real like lived in feel to it. Uh, they yeah, say, it it looks really good. It does look really good. The latest episode has some really like visual things with it. Um, they cuss a little bit more in this show. Um, Dylan Skarsgård is in it. Yeah, good show. Go watch yeah. it. Go watch yeah, it. Yeah, it has it has pretty. I mean, for Disney, but also just for. It's commentary on police brutality is pretty good. And also like uh, oppressive systems as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a great line that one of uh, the like rebel heisters or whatever um, says about how the empire can remain in power because it's easier to process 40 atrocities than just one. Mm-hmm. Um, I, which I think was really well put. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a great, it's a great show. Yeah, no, it's the, first, it's the first two episodes are a bit slow, but once you get past those, they're it's been all heaters since then. Yeah, no, I really, I've really enjoyed it, and I really do think it is 
um, it's on pace to be the best Star Wars show. It's it's already I was probably more excited week to week for Obi-Wan just because I cared so much about the character of Obi-Wan. Yeah, but I could I can see myself quite easily now knowing that this is a 12 episode season by the time season two rolls around me being just as amped, if not more for the next episode of Andor. Yeah, especially Um, because we don't know when K2SO is showing up. And, you know, when K2SO finally shows up, the show is going to be an all timer. Yeah, well, and I I already am all in on. uh, I'm I'm more in on this than I am generally on the mandalorian certainly the mandalorian season three. Oh my word i don't know if we talked about that on the podcast if there is one thing me tom yeah, Ward, we we talked a little bit about this when we did the d23 episode hear nothing about it's mandalore yeah you're not a fan of that just the political i'm just like I, nobody cares about that. i know people do but i am not a them. so um but yeah no big fan of andor uh You've been keeping up with Rings of Power? Yes, I, I yes I have. Today is uh, the the um, finale premieres tonight, I believe. I probably won't watch yeah. it until sometime tomorrow. Same. Uh, so, folks, this is another situation where if you have not seen all of the old Rings of Power, maybe skip ahead about a minute. But I will I say we might be talking a little bit longer about that, but we'll see. I will say there was a scene where Galadriel was talking to Adar. Yeah. That made me even even after the second to last episode, I'm still like, listen, I side with Adar in in this discrepancy in this this discrepancy. Like a bunch of people have died and like a whole land yeah. has been decimated. Quite a little. It's like. It's like when Ireland's like at war for 60 years, like, oh, the troubles. Uh, yeah. So this whole thing, I, I mean, we don't know how much time has truly passed over the course of this season. Yeah. But this, like, he's literally like, please call us Uruk. It's what we prefer to be called. And she's like, I'm going to call you an orc. And I'm like, you are a terrible. Why would you do that? It is literally the equivalent. Of somebody saying, I'm an Inuit, and then us being like, uh, Eskimo seems right to me. I guess um, it's, it, I mean, I don't think uh, Galadriel is, is meant to be the, the, the goddess-like vision we see her as in, um, in uh, Fellowship of the Ring. That said, I don't think that that Galadriel is particularly fond of orcs either. But um, yeah, I, I think it's a it is a part of the character development. It does not help that uh, orcs have in almost all Tolkien media have been portrayed as completely evil. But OK, and, yes. And, and and the second the second we are given even the slightest, tiniest little reason to be sympathetic with orcs uh our our protagonist of the show is like absolutely not uh um, correct and and immediately after we're sympathetic they go full mount doom yeah um but listen and in the next ep- in the next episode she's like she's like telling the kid not to be hard on the orcs because they don't know what like they're like 
brutes. Right. Or... Right. And I'm just like, what if I understand that there's a good chance that Adar is lying and is being deceitful. Sure, 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 tracking. But what if he's not? And like, what if Sauron legitimately like went too far? He obviously did. And Adar was like, I can't get behind that. Like, and like Adar doesn't like Sauron and he's just like, the orcs deserve to have land and not be enslaved by evil Sauron and not be killed by Galadriel. And I just want them to have a homeland. Like there's a universe where Adar is right. And then sure. By Lord, time Lord of the Rings comes around and Sauron has had orcs for eons as slaves. Maybe they are pure evil because they've been just so corrupted. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Adar's grievances against Sauron seem to be genuine. Yeah. I don't think that makes him a quote unquote good guy. But yeah, yeah that's uh, that's how it is. Now, people who uh, that was definitely over a minute. So people who. Okay, where's Celeborn, though? Yeah, I mean, that's where's weird. where's Celeborn? I don't know. Yeah. Are you telling me that Galadriel and this is a show I've enjoyed so far, and I do not know enough about Tolkien lore to get mad at it. Um, where's Celeborn? Are you telling me that Galadriel has spent a thousand years or whatever hunting for Sauron to avenge her brother, but her husband has been missing for just as much amount of time and she just suddenly, she seemingly does not seem to care? Yeah. That is what is being posited at this time. Where's Caliborn? Let me, let me name this for you, Zach. Okay. This is a hard topic shift. The the Elrond subplot in that show has been great so far, though. Yeah, I agree. Elrond is, I, is the one I have the least the least complaints with. Zach, I have a game for us. Okay. The game, Zach. Actually, first tell me what your honest opinion of Rotten Tomatoes is. I think it is a website that is frequently misunderstood, frequently abused, and uh, uh is still once again just a, a subjective way of um of qualifying films because there is no true objective way of doing it right so for those of you who don't know i think it's important to note that rotten tomatoes critics and audiences they're not going in and saying i think this is an 8.5 and it gets an 85 percent what's happening is 85% of people who thought they would like the movie ultimately ended up liking the movie. Yeah, it is it is a percentage of critics who gave positive reviews. Positive is a extremely large range. Right. So it's it's that's why movies like The Last Jedi, for instance, are really yeah. divisive because so many people were excited and thought they'd like it. And then ultimately were like, Oh, it was okay. So it, it, it artificially lowers basically Rotten Tomato scores. Don't mean anything. That's not completely, that's not a great assessment of the last Jedi specifically because there are, were a lot of people who went on Rotten Tomatoes and gave it, 
distinctly negative reviews sure as well like not necessarily out of a critical spirit but out of spite and it's something that has happened many times to many other things as well Mm -hmm. um and those those are usually reflected in the audience reviews not the critic reviews right um all that to say my game today has to do with rotten tomatoes it's can zach guess the rotten tomatoes critic critic score or audience score critic okay so you're guessing the critic score and you need to be within five percent either way gotcha okay and you can't look it up obviously I do. I do not. I no longer frequent Rotten, rotten Tomatoes, so I right. might be very bad at this. All right, we'll start with what I think is easy and work our way harder. All right, Pulp Fiction. That's like a ninety-six. It's a ninety-two. So you're within the five percent. Okay, I'm not going to keep score. Yep. Yep. Mean Girls. Uh, that's like an eighty-three. You are almost bang on. It's eighty-four. Gotcha. To all the boys I've loved before. 52. 97. See, that's interesting. I didn't think that critics were going to be as gung-ho about um, Netflix teen rom-coms. But I guess I was wrong. Yeah. Space Jam. That is going to be like a 48. 43. Okay. Bang on. Bang a ring. The Kissing Booth. See, I feel like the kissing booth is going to do worse than to all the boys I love before. I'm going to say the kissing booth is a 27. It's a 17. Okay. 10 off. But I was on the right closer on the, on the, on like the. Sure. The black Black Panther. 98. Again, almost bang on 97. Yep. And then we have uh, the Meg. Oh yeah, the Meg. That is gonna be a, a 23. 46. 46, okay. And then I, the last I, I do remember you, Tom, specifically. Yeah. Very excited about the Meg. I love Jason Statham and I love Big Sharks. There it is. What can I say? They put two of my favorite things together. Captain Marvel is our last one. Captain Marvel's like an an 88. So close. 78. Interesting. Zach, what did you learn from that exercise? Uh, I am moderately good at this. Zach, how much of the Kissing Booth 1 have you watched? I believe the first 12 to 15 minutes, I believe it was you who showed it to me. Were you surprised at the pacing at the beginning? It does run extremely fast. Through tragedy. Yeah. It's literally like, and then this person died from cancer. So sad. And then like just jumps to the next thing. It's kind of like um the uh and this is a movie I've watched a lot because of a different podcast that I'm not on. It's kind of like uh in Paul Blart Mall Cop 2, where Paul Blart's mom is hit by a milk truck and is immediately forgot about within three or four minutes. Yeah. Yeah. So did you also get to the part where somebody slaps the main character's bootay um 
without consent. And then they sit down in the principal's office and the principal is literally like, that's what you get for wearing your school uniform so high up your booty. I don't remember this now. Yeah, it's a classic like, well, that's what you were wearing. And it's like, cool. it's played off. It, it's it's like the way the scene goes is not like, and that's a bad school. It was like, and that was a reasonable thing for the principal to say. Wow. Funny and cool. It's a, it's a weird movie, folks, but I've seen it a few times. Just the Did first one, the, a few you, times. Yeah, I was going to ask if you had seen the sequels. No, just the first one. And I watched, I, I've watched the first one a few times with the same group of people. We have to come to a close, I fear, but I do have one last stack react. Okay. Ghosts rob a bank. Is this a bomb or a react? This is a, this is a, this is a react because it's not a movie pitch, but it is a, it's a react. Then you tell me what it's a pitch for, because it certainly can't be a movie or a show. Ghosts rob a bank. Is that it? Ghosts rob a bank. And whatever it is, it's called Polter Heist. This is a limited run independent comic book. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah. That's not bad at all. Yeah. I will I write that comic. I will not write that comic. I mean, I'll write it. I won't draw it or release it anywhere, but I'm happy to write it. You can find an, audit, an, an artist who will draw it for you. That brings us just about here to our Oops! All Movies episode where we talk oh, about TV for about three minutes and talk about movies for almost all the rest of it. Um, you told us about your wanting to rake leaves. I did say about raking leaves. Our audience did not give us any feedback regarding what they wanted us to talk about, although we did tweet that fairly soon before we started recording. So hopefully that, that means next week we'll have a bunch of stuff to talk about. There you go. That's think. Always think ahead. And we will see you next time.